drives on. Roberto to his right, Suarez to his left, comes across to Suarez! First blood, Barcelona! Lionel Messi on the spot, the eyes of the world of Lionel Messi! Who doesn't fail, Messi does it again! What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar, and I am finally joined by my brother, Nihal Qatar, for the first time in a while. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing okay, man. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Um, I had a great time working with Crew SC. Thank you to Carlos and everyone there. It was an incredible experience, but I'm happy to be back where I belong on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. I missed a lot that happened in the soccer world, but how are you doing, man? How, what's going on? What's going on with you? Um, well, I've been doing pretty well. Um, I just finished my uh, second to last semester of high school. Glad oh. that college applications are all done. Yeah. Um, and I'm ready to just dedicate my whole life to soccer now. <laughs> okay, well, like, what else? How, how about Star Wars? You know, we're big, we're big Star Wars fans. What did you think of The Last Jedi? So, uh, no, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Um... I, you know, honestly, I liked it going out of the theater and then you've just been ranting about it. <laughs> so I've started to like, my opinion's been tainted now. But you know, it's a good movie. It's just not what I, I, I thought they could have done more. I, I, I just felt like nothing really happened in the movie, you know? Um, I, I mean, I disagree. And it's hard to say that until you see the ninth movie. That's true. No, there, there's a lot that episode nine can do to redeem this movie, I think. Um... But I, you know, I'm not one of those people who, who are, who's like, if you if you like this movie, you're not a real Star Wars fan. I think, I mean, if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Like, I'm not like a huge fanboy in that I'm not, you know, I was like disappointed. But people are like going kind of crazy with it um, in terms of not liking it. I, for a while, I don't know if this is still true, but for a while, it had a lower audience score than The Phantom Menace. On Rotten Tomatoes, and that's just like comparing them to the prequels is just ridiculous. Like it, it, it's on a different level. Well, I don't want to alienate any of our audience. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Like the prequels. I mean, the prequels are an important part of my childhood, and I'll always cherish them. But yeah, you make a good point. It's definitely a better movie than Phantom Menace. Now, who in the Star Wars universe would you want on your soccer team? What I want on, on my Roma, soccer on Roma right now. Well, we do need a midfielder, <laughs> kind of a facilitator. <laughs> Okay. So, maybe like R2-D2? <laughs> R2-D2? What? Because, <laughs> I mean, he's a facilitator. I mean, he's not the star of the show, but he, but he helps out. Okay, okay. See, everything's defense has been pretty bad this year. Like, they've, they've been okay, but in the last couple of weeks with Sam Allardyce, but they've been pretty bad this year. So, I think I would take Chewbacca in the center of defense. Yeah. I feel like he'd be a That's decent That's decent. Maybe, what about, like, Jabba the Hutt? No, he couldn't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I mean, you take I mean, if you stick him in front of goal... Oh, yeah, that, that could work. Yeah, that could yeah. work. But, like, um, any force, anyone who could use the force could just guide the ball into the net. That's true. But, I mean, obviously that'd be outlawed. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, there are sports in the Star Wars universe, aren't there? Yeah, in episode two, they go into that. Oh, like pod racing. Oh, well, yeah, there's yeah. pod racing. With, if you, in episode two at the beginning, when um, they're, like, on Coruscant and they go into the bar or whatever to find the bounty hunter who tries to assassinate Padme. I'm going way deep into this. <laughs> um, there's like, they're, they're watching football and horse racing. And there's like horse okay, racing okay. in an episode. Yeah, and I'm sure, okay, I'm sure they've adjusted, you know, everything to current rules. Yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't use the force in sports. For, right. That's I mean, ridiculous. you can't use a, like a, a fan in sports. It's the same thing. <laughs> so, no, that's what I'm saying. Yes. I mean, certain things have been outlawed from certain sports. What would you use a fan for? To blow it into the net, just as the force is used. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how the force works. 
Is that, was that a Han Solo quote? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, before we get into the soccer, this is a podcast that revolves around sports, and we wouldn't truly be a sports podcast if we didn't talk about Lonzo Ball. So how do you feel about Lonzo Ball? <laughs> uh, Lonzo Ball. I, I like Lonzo. I don't like LeVar, but I mean, I like Lonzo. I think he's a good player. Uh, you know, I'm one of the, I've been following him since high school, so I really, I like him. Um, but why are we talking about Lonzo Ball? Because I'm just, I don't know, it's, it's just satirical about like the media talking about Lonzo Ball. <laughs> talking, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure maybe we'll get him on the podcast someday. He'll, he'll be no, a topic that comes we'll, up. We'll get LeVar on the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he'd be down. <laughs> okay, so what better way to start off Nihal's return to the podcast than El Clasico? Zinedine Zidane's men came into this game knowing they were 11 points down with Barcelona, albeit with a game in hand, but still worrisome. Still a lot of concerns around the Bernabeu, and it didn't help tonight as they lost 3-0 against Barcelona. Three goals. We saw Messi score his 25th Clasico goal and absolutely dominate, whether he was on the, the front end of things or playing in good balls. Um, he was absolutely a force to be reckoned with, but overall, this Barcelona team just looked to be dominating, particularly in the second half. Um, what stood out to you that made Barcelona take this game from Real Madrid in the second half? Well, I think Real Madrid actually dominated in the first half. I, I thought, um, you know, Barcelona had maybe a couple of chances, but uh, Benzema came close. Uh, he hit it off the post in the first half. Ronaldo had not really a sitter, but uh, a shot he could have, t- I mean, if he, he whiffed it, but he could have got a shot on target there. And I think in the first half, Real Madrid was using their width really well, so they were using Marcelo and exploiting that right side of, of Barcelona's defense with Sergio Roberto, um, and you know they would sort of overload that left side with Ronaldo um, drifting left and um, Marcelo over there, and then they also had maybe a midfielder as well. Tony Kroos was, was on the left, I believe. Um, so I think they did a really good job of using the width in the, in the first half. Um, in the second half, I think Barcelona figured out that Kovacic was... Um, man-marking Messi, and you saw it on the first goal uh, that, that Barcelona scored, where Kovacic was man-marking Messi. Um, I believe Suarez, picks, was it Suarez who picks up the ball? Um, who's, who's, who's running downfield? Rakitic. Okay, yeah, Rakitic, sorry. Rakitic was running downfield, um, and Messi sort of trails off his run um, to give Rakitic space, and instead of Kovacic stepping to Rakitic, he doesn't really know what to do in that situation, and he and um, Messi is able to pull him away from the ball, opening up a lot of space to create that first mm-hmm. goal. And I think and that led to the Sergio Roberto cross, right? Which Suarez right. tapped in. I think Barcelona was able to to exploit um, Real Madrid's tactics in that way. And then I think overall, I said they were exploiting the width in the first half. I think they could have maybe brought on some of their attacking players earlier, like Isco. Asensio, Bale, one of those guys, um, yeah. and really take it to Barcelona in a way that they didn't. Um, but Barcelona, you know, credit to them, they, they played really well, I, I thought. You know, Rakitic is, in, is incredible. I, I think he's a really, for some reason, an underrated midfielder, even though he starts for Barcelona. I mean, Paulinho, his work rate's incredible. Um, he was getting in dangerous positions. He was pressuring the ball really well. Uh, and then Messi's messy. And, you know, he was able to pull all the strings despite... Um, you know, Suarez being hurt, he was able to feed him some nice balls. And then, you know, the MVP for me is, is Sergio Busquets. Um, on that first goal, he wins the ball back, and he, um, on, on multiple, I don't know if he won the ball back on the first goal, but he, he's the one who springs that attack on the first goal. 
and um, and the second goal, the one leading up to the penalty, he wins the ball back, and he he is such a good distributor from um, defensive midfield, and he he's just so smart with his passes. Um, I mean, I love watching him play, and you know you you we were kind of sort of getting into it a little bit. I mean, not really getting into it, but um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Sergio Busquets. Sahil, not so much. Well, no, okay, it was just because like it seemed like you were giving the primary credit of the first goal to Sergio Busquets. I'm not giving the primary. I'm just saying it's, it's really important. Rakitic's run. You know, it's important to acknowledge how it starts. The Rakitic doesn't have his run without Busquets. Okay, and in the second goal, uh, Messi's really good pass. Yeah, that was started by a Busquets tackle, I believe. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Which is fine. I, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that um, I think that uh, a lot of midfielders would, would feel comfortable playing underneath, you know, Messi and, and Suarez. I, I mean, but he's not playing underneath them. He's playing much deeper. Well, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but Messi comes back to the ball and starts attacks. And, yeah, but, and, but Busquets splits the defense a lot. Like, he just, he, he never gets stressed on the ball. He's really good on the ball, right? And he's able to just get the ball to where it needs to be. Yeah. And yeah, like his composure I mean, he's, is probably he's, one of the, he's one of yeah. the best defensive midfielders in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, he's what I want Morgan Schneiderlin to be for Everton. Like, that, that's, it's like the same type of player, right? But Busquets is on another level. Absolutely. No, no. Fantastic player. I just thought it was funny that you, I don't know. <laughs> you, it seems like that was the focal point of the goals for you, which is fine. Um... Yeah, and we, we didn't uh, we we didn't talk about this the um, the third goal the uh, well, well actually it was the second goal we we did talk about the third goal the second goal was a penalty kick, um, which uh, you know Messi played that ball to Suarez actually we did talk about that yeah we that? did uh, who uh, Messi played a ball to Suarez hits Navas ball comes back out Messi finds Suarez again who forces uh, a save out of Carvajal and uh, you you were. Commenting on the commentator said this is a great save. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we're in, I don't know if it's the same commentators that other people had. Um, we didn't have we didn't have Phil Shane and Ray Hudson because we're in India, so we're watching it. I think it was the same commentator as Sky Sports potentially. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, this is not really important, but they they were like, oh, what a, what a save by Carvajal, but the ball ends up going in the net anyway. So I don't know. That was just that was just irritating to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it didn't. I mean. And they ended up, you know... They ended up converting anyway. Right, exactly. Um, you know, actually, you saw, like, a resurgence after the 75th minute or 78th minute uh, when Bale kind of came on. Even though Real Madrid had 10 men, they were getting a lot of chances. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I felt like they should have... Zidane should have made those switches earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and put a lot more pressure on, on Barcelona to... Uh, plan at the back rather than right. just springing the counter. Because when you know that either team at this point has no true wide players, you, you can really win that battle on Exa- the outside. With exactly, them. exactly. And, and you know, as well as Roberto has been playing for the last year and a half, he's not, I mean, he's still not really a right back, in my opinion. And he is exploitable. So I think they really could have brought on, or even started with, um, a wide player. You know, I, I wonder when the last time we had a Clasico where both teams... Trying to have a four four two like that. Was, oh no, yeah, that was really. Interesting. I was thinking about him because in the past Ronaldo plays more of an outside role, right? Rather than a central role, and you have Neymar and right, exactly more wide players just in general. So it's uh, it was strange, but it ended up being entertaining nonetheless. Um, so right now, uh, Real Madrid basically they they can't win the league. No, not possible. No, it, I mean, yeah, it's not possible. I, I think 
Barcelona is obviously going to win the league, uh, unless like Valencia somehow pulls it off. But I, they're still ahead quite a bit on Valencia. Yeah. So. Like eight points, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it looks like Barcelona's going to run away with the league. It's It's been a disappointing year for Real Madrid. You know, they, they didn't win their group in, in the Champions League. They're sort of out of the league race. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Zinedine Zidane. Do they keep him because he's been so successful early in his career? Or, you know, we know in the just like if past is precedent, they're willing to fire their manager after a brief bad spell or even one year. They expect a trophy every year. Um, and, you know, I don't know how the Copa del Rey is going, so mm. I, I don't know if, if that really qualifies. Yeah, but, you know, it's... And, and Real Madrid could certainly still win the Champions League. Um, oh, yeah. So As We know that it really doesn't matter what's going with on with Real Madrid. They're right. a threat to the Champions League. Um, yeah, I mean, last year, you know, Zinedine Zidane came in very, you know, you know very tough circumstances, very urgent. He had to come in and do something, and he won the league and the Champions League. Yeah. But, you know, after exceeding expectations before doesn't really mean anything now. However, I do well, think... Especially at Real Madrid. Right. I do, however, I do think that... Um, I do think that it's important to know that Zinedine Zidane didn't have uh, a Galactico or, you know, a good transfer. So, But, but how, how, much, how much is that on him, though? How, you know, I, I heard he didn't want to bring someone in like that. Um, he wanted to use the players he had, like Asensio, uh, and bring them through. Because, I mean, Real Madrid has a lot of attacking talent, but they only they only use Ronaldo and Benzema in this match. I mean, where where was Isco? Where was uh, I mean, like the problem is they have so many good players. It's it's hard to get them all on the field. And I think what they were trying to do is have to congest the midfield in order to stop Messi doing his work from the center of the park. Um, but they weren't able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that some of it... I think now, though, in these dire circumstances, if you, if you give them a chance to try to bring in a difference maker... But you're right, I don't even know where you would start. Like, well, who, what do they need right now? Who do they bring in? I right. mean, you, you think maybe Eden Hazard? Maybe? But he's... I mean, then who sits? I mean, who I, mean I think I, I think he... I mean, there's rumors right now of Bale to Manchester United, as there always is. Yeah. And I think just having a more consistent player who you know will play week in and week out. Because Hazard, his, his durability for Chelsea has been really, really good. He's yeah. able to play midweek yeah. on the weekend, and which is just a contrast to Bale, right. who you never know if he can make these games. Right. And, you know, Kareem Benzema is a, is a great player. But, I mean, Real Madrid, I think they really need... A top tier, a top top tier striker, um, and I guess whether Benzema is that is uh, is up for debate. But I don't think he is, um, and you know, someone like Aubameyang maybe would be better. And there are rumors that he actually signed a new deal with Dortmund. Um, but you know, he obviously wants to go to Real Madrid. He made that promise to his dying grandfather that he would play for Real Madrid one day. <laughs> so it seems inevitable that that will happen so- at some point. But. You know, when if Benzema is not performing, they really they don't have anyone to come in and, and pick up the pieces. Like they play Ronaldo up front, but there's no one else there. You know, they sold Morata in the summer. Um, I mean, Chicharito has been two years since he was there, so th- there's no there's no backup striker. There. There's no one to push Kareem Benzema, um, and you just you fe- Benzema is not he's not Luis he's not as good as Luis Suarez, where you don't need another striker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. 
I mean, this just came into my mind just now. I don't know if I've, I don't think I've seen any rumors about this, but I think Mauro Icardi could be an interesting shout. I think he could fit nicely. I, I don't know how he's doing this year. Oh, he's doing well. He's okay, doing well. so yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there are strikers out there. Um, the thing is, is Icardi that next level? And he could be one day. Is he that now? Um, you know, same yeah, with, that's subject to debate. Yeah. Same, same with Dybala. You know, that's another. That's another. Oh, I think Dybala's up there. I mean, I think so too. And and he's someone who you know we'll talk about a little bit, little bit later, but who hasn't been playing recently for for Juventus. So that's true. Uh, you know, maybe that's a possibility. All right. Yeah. So um, in general, if you're Florentino Perez right now, what what are your thoughts on Zidane? What 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 is your take on him? Uh well, if I'm if I'm him, I probably would fire him because that's what he's done in the past. <laughs> but if I'm in charge of Real Madrid, I think you got to keep him. Um, you know, he he. Well, yes, the league is might be out of reach, but you still have the Champions League. You still have the Copa del Rey, um, and you know, give give Zidane this January next summer to bring in some pl- new players and to prove to prove himself once again. Um, that being said, I, I won't be surprised if, you know, even if they get a draw in their next match, if he's gone. Um, I think Zidane's going to have to be perfect for the next couple of months um, in order to keep his job. All right. Uh, moving on to another huge game in Europe that happened on Saturday. We've got Roma versus Juventus at Allianz Stadium. Um, going into this game, Roma was down three points to Juventus with a game in hand. And they still have a game in hand since they both played. Uh, Juventus ended up pulling out it out 1-0. Uh, you saw from the beginning of this game, early on, Matty Benatia, former Roma player, got a goal off a corner in the 19th minute. From then on, you saw Allegri kind of pack it in, play defensively, as his kind of lineup suggested going in, not playing Douglas Costa or Dybala. Uh, stuck with it defensively, and Roma could not break them down. Yeah, and... You know, something Juventus does really well is using Mario Mandzukic on that left side um, and sort of hitting diagonal balls to him, exploiting um, his height advantage over the fullback usually and being able to play those balls into Iguain or someone in the center. And, um, you know, they did that a lot in the first half up until they scored that goal, and they did it in the second half too. And it's a great way for them to relieve pressure because Florenzi is not going to win a header against Mario Mandzukic. It's just not going to happen. Um, but, you know, I thought Roma really came alive in the last 20 minutes where they should have come alive a lot earlier. And, um, and I think the reason for that is, is pretty clear. I mean, Lorenzo Pellegrini in yeah. the center caused a lot of problems. Yeah, and, and you know, Strootman was not able to do anything. Nangolan wasn't able to get on the ball much until later in the match. And, and something I noticed, which I thought, I haven't watched Juventus this year except for this game, so I don't know if this is the norm, but, um... Allegri had Pjanic playing the number six role, playing the deepest, and he had Kadira and Matuidi just pressing whoever was on the ball. Nyangolan on the right, Strootman on the left. So they never had space to work. Um, Kadira was always on Strootman, Matuidi was always on Nyangolan. Um, and then Pjanic, you know, would be able to get the ball deep and relieve some pressure. It was like kind of how Pirlo used to play back in the day um, for Juventus, uh, where he was the deepest lying um, midfielder. Um, so I, I thought that was that was really interesting. But once, once um, uh, what's his name, Pellegrini came in, uh, I think they were able to exploit that space a little bit yeah. more. Um, and also, I I don't think that Roma utilized the wings well at all. Uh, and you know, Perotti wasn't able to do much against Barzagli. 
Al-Sharawi in the first half had a couple of chances um, down that right wing. He actually did okay. Um, but really, I thought they could have exploited that left side. Brazadli is a great defender, but you know he doesn't have a lot of pace. He, I mean, if you if you have him exposed, you know, I think they could have exploited that a little bit more. Quadrado did a good job of tracking back um, sometimes, but you know he's he's an attack minded player. He's not always going to be doing that. So I thought they could have exploited that a little bit more. Um, at the end of the day, though, Roma should have come away with a point in this match. You know, Schick had a one on one opportunity at the end of the match where he should have scored. El Shirawi probably should have scored in the first half. Um, I think Florenzi hit the post. Uh, that being said, Juventus also hit the post a couple of times. They had a, yeah. they had other good opportunities. Oh, but you know, this this you feel now that Roma is pretty much out of the title race. Um, they, if they win, if they do win their game in hand, they are four points behind Napoli. And um, but but what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to win all of those head to head matches in the second half of the season, in those second fixtures, and. Um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for them. And they just, they got to get a little bit more going on the attack. And they, they yeah. have to bring someone in, whether it's a wide, you know, I like Under, I like Perotti, I like El Shirawi. They need to bring in someone else um, to, you know, they're really missing that presence of someone like a Mohamed Salah, uh, which I know, who, he, I mean, he's a great, great player. But, you know, they, they just need that little extra spark and attack. Maybe, maybe you're saying... Maybe you're right. They, they do need a playmaker from midfield. Maybe that's what they... That's so, what I think as this season's gone gone on, Eusebio Di Francesco, I think, exceeded everyone's expectations. Got off to a great start. We won our Champions League group. Um, I'm a Roma fan, by the way. <laughs> so, we won our Champions League group. But what you will see, and, you know, you can look at the, the movement maps and everything else you want, but the majority of our attack was caused by Kolarov and Perotti down that left-hand side. Yeah. All of it, almost. And now that that's been figured out, you saw them packing it down that right side. You saw yeah. Quadrado playing more health than usual. And we just we just have nothing. Nyan Golan was a dominant player last year in that number 10 role, but um, that's not what he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. He's playing just you know above De Rossi, like, like parallel to Strootman. And um, neither of them are able to do anything uh, because they're not naturally fit for that role. So I think now you're in a position where you, right. you need to change the formation. And or What happens is you have Jekko dropping deeper and deeper and vacating that space where he should be occupying, where he should be you know, rushing into the box. And, it's, and you know, if you push Nine Golan up a little bit or you, know, you play him underneath Jekko, you know, Jekko can do what he does. Best. I mean, he always has dropped back, but... Now, if he does drop back, Nyan Golan can make that run, or someone else can make that run into the box along with the wingers. You know what I mean? Like the, the, he, that's something I noticed last night. He was leaving a lot of space when he was dropping deep. Um, but yeah, you know, playing Nyan Golan, and maybe they do switch to you know they have an attacking midfielder instead of a holding midfielder. I don't know if that's something that um, Di Francesco will actually do. Uh, I, you know, you know, you understand it more than I do. I guess. I think it's possible, but he he does seem to like this exact you know four three three defensive midfielder right. formation. De Rossi was really good last. De Rossi was good, but he's often a liability. Usually. He is, yeah, and here he got a yellow card in the first twenty minutes. Um, and I I've seen this uh, idea presented by a couple other Roma fans. Um, Strutman is not the same player that he was before his two injuries. It's just, it's very evident. He doesn't move in the same way. He doesn't have the same, like, uh, confidence on the ball. And so I think if you move him back a little bit, he'll thrive more in a deeper position like he plays for Holland or the Netherlands. And, um, and you know, 
I think that could prove more effective for him. Yeah, play Pellegrini then? Yeah, play, play Pellegrini nine goal and above him yeah. and bench Tarasi, even though he was good in this game. Yeah, I mean, and Roma have been fantastic defensively, so it's hard, you know, like, does taking Tarasi out of there, does that sacrifice any, you know, defensive stability? Maybe, but I don't think so. I think Fazio is, has been great for Roma, and Manolas is Manolas. He's, he's just a, a top-tier defender, in my opinion. So, you know, I think they'll be fine back there, but... They re- they need something. They need to. They need someone to come in in January. You know, they got Defrel. They got Schick. They got Under. They you know they have Proti. They have El Sharawi. But none of those players are game breaking players. Like they have an odd moment of brilliance, but none of those players can really break a game open or can really take over a match. What it needs to happen, um, and you know if you shut down Nine Golan in the midfield, if you congest that midfield, it's hard for him to do anything. So. You know, what was great about Roma's attack last year, even though they were lacking in defense, was it was pick your poison. Do you do you lock down the wings and make sure Salah doesn't work, do his work, or do you do you congest the midfield and make sure Nangolan doesn't do right. what he does? And like I said, Protein El Sharawi, they're good players, but they're not Scudetto winning players, um, in my opinion. They're not gonna. That's, that's fair. They're not gonna push that's you fair. over the edge. I think. Yeah. I mean. I mean, El Shrawi maybe. I think he's he's the one who's who's a sort of wild card on his what, right on his day. He's fantastic. Less consistent than Perotti though. Who, right. Who's always going to try to create something, um, but sometimes you know fails to do so with his end product. Um, yeah, but in, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, this is a really big win for Juventus. Um, they get closer to Napoli. Um, they they're only one point off now. Um, I think it's going to turn into a two-team race as Inter and Roma fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. They'll compete for those last two Champions League spots. But, um, you know, this Juventus um, on paper isn't, you know, as strong as some Juventuses we've seen in the past. A little more aging, um, a little bit less, you know, overall star power. But they're, they're vi- I mean, they're so deep. That's true. They're so... I mean, the players that came on for Juventus last night were... Marquisio, who else came on? Um, I, I mean, I don't even remember. But, I can't remember what's on my head. But like on the bench, they have like Marquisio, they have Rugani, they have Taipala. Um, I mean, they just have some some really really good. Oh, yeah, Bernadeschi, he came Berdeschi. on. Bernadeschi, like um, Snyder still. Yeah, so I mean, they they are so deep, and that's what they can do. They can outlast you, um, especially in Serie A, where you know there's all these teams: Napoli, Juve, Roma, Inter. They're all good teams. But they're not exceptionally deep, aside from Juventus. Um, so, I mean, maybe Napoli is in their midfield. They have a lot of players there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're sort of able to outlast you. And they're but, able I mean, but I mean, yeah, but Napoli also is just, uh, th- those players have excellent stamina. I mean, sorry, hardly rotates, and yeah. they still get the job done. Yeah, but, you know, that's some you might see that, you know, you might see that give towards the end of the season, especially with True. midweek fixtures. So. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe Inter and Roma can, can climb back into contention. Um, you know, they are only seven points behind with a game in hand, so, you know, it's possible. But they have to beat Juve in, in, in the spring, they have to beat Napoli, and they have to beat Inter. Uh, yeah, that's essentially true, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they can't drop stupid points like they usually do. Right. And, yeah, no, I... And they haven't done this year, really. It boils down to, yeah, I mean, in the last month, we haven't... We've played a couple of poor teams, and we haven't scored more than a goal in any game. So right. we, we need a difference maker on the attack. Right. And the thing is, Roma are on pace for, like, 
what, 83, 82 points or something. And yeah. th- that, that might be fourth place. Like, it, it's top-heavy this year. That's true. Syria. That's true. All right. Um, that's all we'll do with that. Now, um, I didn't get a chance to talk to you with you about... Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to say it, but <laughs> the USMNT failing to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to spend a bunch of time. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but um, do you have anything you'd like to say? Well, I think this... Uh, you know, the, the U.S. soccer presidential election coming up in February, I think it's extremely important. Um, I think it's something that we as a podcast will dive into more this year. But overall, just a total failure by U.S. soccer. You know, we, we failed to qualify for U-17 World Cup, two Olympics, some other tournaments, the men's teams. And it's just been bad for the last five or six years. Um, and there's just been a hesitancy to play our young players. Like, why? Why not play people like Weston McKinney or, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez? I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't give a shit if they're young. If they're good enough, they should be there. I mean, Pulisic already proved that, that if you're good enough, you should play. Um, and... I mean, we even saw that with Pulisic during the Copa America. Exactly, exactly. There's just this hesitancy to play these young players. And people are like, oh, don't put pressure on them. I mean, you think there's more pressure playing at Trinidad than there is playing in, at Schalke or in Bayern? And, or, yeah, exactly. So, you know, play them. And, you know, I have never been more pro-pro-rel than I am now. I have never been more um, critical of MLS for, for multiple reasons. You know, for one, obviously, the, the whole Columbus crew, what, what they have done, which we'll go into probably in a different podcast what they have done with that situation is not great. And um, just the complacency at MLS and U.S. soccer, thinking that everything is fine despite this failure. And, like, don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a good thing at all. I, I don't think it's a good thing at all that we didn't qualify for the World Cup. A lot of people say, oh, maybe we needed this for a wake-up call. No, I, I don't think that's true because you lose so many kids with not having the World Cup on. So many, I mean, how did we get into soccer? Watching the 2010 World Cup here in India. That's how we got into this sport. You know, it, it's, it's huge. And, and that could still happen, but it's not the same as rooting and, and wanting to play for the U.S. national team. That being said, I, I'm, I, in terms of the podcast, I'm really excited to cover the World Cup. I think, you know, without having the U.S. there, we can do some really interesting things and focus more on the tournament as a whole. Right. Um, and fo- and something that we want to do leading up to the World Cup is, you know, have an episode for each World Cup in the history um, of World Cups. Who knows how that'll work out because there's a lot there. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited for the World Cup. I'm Obviously, I was devastated um, after we didn't qualify. And, you know, it, it seems like Everyone was taking it for granted that we'd qualify, even down to that last game. Um, but yeah, I mean, you saw Bruce Arena's comments. I mean, yeah, he essentially already said they qualified. Right. I um, mean, losing to Trinidad at home is, or losing to Trinidad, it uh, was on the road, but losing to them is is terrible. They had six points. They had six points in in, in the group, and uh, I, I I guess you're you're opening up an old wound here, so I don't want to go on a huge rant, but. It's just yeah. I mean, you're right. We're not we're not even going to talk about this qualifying cycle anymore. I think that's 
Like, yeah. the specifics of it are just irrelevant at this point. I yeah. mean, we failed. <laughs> what I will but, say, um, you know, is it's going to hurt watching the World Cup. It's going to hurt leading up to the World Cup. But we have so many exciting prospects out there, U.S. men's national team prospects, that I think, uh, you know, we have a lot to look forward to. And, you know, the, the World Cup, it was a tough cycle for a lot of teams that usually make it. Um, I mean, yeah, Chile. Yeah, Chile, I don't know if they usually make it, but they're so good. They've been so good recently. Right. They won the last Copa America. The last two. Last two. Um, you know, Chile, Netherlands, uh, Italy. Ghana. Yeah, even like teams like Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire, who we've seen in the last few years, uh, didn't make it. So um, I think world soccer is more competitive than it's ever been, but it's still unacceptable that, that, that we didn't qualify for for the World Cup, and, you know, it's just a lot, a lot went wrong in this cycle, and, uh, you know, Sunil Gulati is, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy, I've had the opportunity to speak to him, um, but he's not, he obviously isn't the right person for the job going forward, and I'm, and I'm glad that he was able to acknowledge that and sort of step down, um, yeah. because we thought he might not. Um, but yeah, we need we need we need change. So like, do your research on, on the U.S. soccer can, uh, president presidential candidates. Keep on asking for change because th- that's that's how we make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's funny because you and I were watching. Um, you know, the, the, before we had the podcast, we had a YouTube channel where we talked about soccer, and you and I were watching and. It was directly after the 2014 World Cup. <laughs> and, oh, wait. <laughs> you know, I mentioned all these players. I mentioned Christian Pulisic, or as I call him, Pulisic. But I also mentioned, like, Daniel Cuevas and Rubio Rubin and, like, all these players. Luis like, Gill. Luis Gill. Like, players who aren't relevant anymore. So it... And what did I say? I think we can try to make it to the, the uh, semifinals or in something. In 2018, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, I was, and uh, you're the perfect example of what went wrong. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I know you're joking, but it's that mentality, right? Like, you know, we need to see the development of our players through. MLS, we need to give our young players minutes. You know, Jose Villarreal, watching him play... He was one of my favorite players to watch. And he's so talented, he's still rotting on the bench in L.A. Like, he still is not hasn't been given the opportunity. Tommy Thompson, another incredibly talented player, still doesn't get playing time in MLS. And something needs to change there because our young players aren't getting on the field in MLS. Christian Pulisic said it in his Players' Tribune okay, article. Yeah. I think McKenney said something about that, too. Yeah, I mean, recently. you know... If Schalke and Dortmund and Levante and Monterey and all these teams are willing to play young players and young Americans, why aren't MLS teams willing to do too? Maybe FC Dallas is the only one, like with Kellen Acosta, that I've seen. You know, Jordan Morris you have. Outside of that, who, who's there? They don't play teenagers. Um, and it's, it's a shame. That, needs, that, that mentality Tyler needs Adams. to change. Yeah, Tyler Adams. Uh, that's, that's a good challenge. But, but I mean, this, there's not, yeah, there's, uh, not, there's not too many. I mean, if you go to the Premier League, even though England is not necessarily the greatest team and they don't have many players in the top four teams, I mean, on Everton themselves, you have like five, five English players starting. Or like, you know, like teams like Burnley, all those teams, they have players starting and playing at a high level. Um, and, you know, we aren't even willing to give our young Americans a chance at this level. Uh, in fact, we're giving, 
you know, young foreigners a chance, which is okay. Like, I'm not, I don't think you should, you know, people are saying we should have cap. I mean, we already do have, like, international spots and stuff, but, I mean, that's not the issue, um, foreign players. The issue is having a good academy system and, and giving the players opportunities to play. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just needs to change. I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah. We won't go much further into it. I, I didn't want to mention one thing that's kind of interesting that I just thought about. Um, now, obviously, from probably most aspects, hosting the Gold Cup every year, like, helps us because, like, I mean, more revenue, I don't know, like, more yeah. publicity. But um, obviously, we played way better at home during the cycle than we did on the road. Yeah. Except bar Mexico. Yeah. Um, oh, we actually played well. Oh, you said bar. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think it would benefit the U.S. to not host the Gold Cup every year? So, I think the CONCACAF Nations League, which will be competitive matches um, with against CONCACAF teams where you go to Costa Rica, where you go to Mexico, where you go to Panama, I think that will really help. Because those are competitive matches outside of World Cup qualifying in those hostile environments. The Gold Cup, should, it should change. I don't know why it's always here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's for money. But, I mean, it doesn't make sense that Mexico doesn't host it or that Canada doesn't host it. Even, like, Panama. I mean, give those teams opportunities to host it. Yeah. Um, and does it matter? I don't think so, because it hasn't mattered in the past in terms of qualifying. We, it's just, it's overall complacency. Um, and obviously that's changed. Hopefully that's changed, and hopefully that will continue to change. But we have a long way to go to rebuild the program, in my opinion. Yep. I agree. Um, all right, nothing more on that. Um, you saw Pulisic's last goal, right? Yes. That game winner. That yeah. was, was that not one of the best American so, goals you've seen in a while? You know, it's such a shame that he won't. That, that's what I'm really upset about, that he won't be able to play in this World Cup because he, I mean, he is a star. He, how many teenagers are better than him in the world? Dembele. Probably and, less than five. Dembele and Mbappe, maybe. Like those are the, is Mbappe a teenager right now? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, he is. So, like, maybe those He's two. younger. Those two. So, I mean, outside of that, is Dembele a teenager? Is he 20 yet? Uh, Dembele's not a teenager. I'm okay, sure. so, I mean, whatever. Like, the point is, <laughs> he's one of the best teenagers in the world. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see how he develops. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, we're going to hopefully see him continue to play at Dortmund. And, I mean, that's exciting enough for me to, like, Watch him score. Wait, who knows? He could be going to Manchester United. I would no. Please. I would hate that. Yeah. The <laughs> the only teams I would like to see him go to are Bayern Munich, maybe Juventus, and then like Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like those those are the only teams that I would. I do not want him going to England. Essentially. I don't even know if I want to see him like go to. Uh, right now, I want him. I think the next few years, I want him to just develop a Dortmund. Maybe. I mean, I think. I think. Like I don't know. Well, Barcelona bought Dembele. This like, Italian, like, Juventus, like, Italian media is just some of the harshest, like... Uh, I don't think... Okay, maybe not Juventus, but what I'm saying is I, the, I would only want him to see, see him take a step up, not move laterally. Right. Okay, fair. And, like, I don't think any team, any team in England, you can miss the Champions League. Like, any of those top six teams. Mm-hmm. So... That's true. All right, um... I don't think we have anything else. Uh, we will have another episode next week regarding some big club matches, uh, big European club matches. And um, other than that, uh, do you have anything else to say? Uh, nothing else. It's good to be back. 
All right. We'll see you guys next time on episode 84 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you.